If you tuned in to last week's episode, you heard the first part of The Night My Father Was Stabbed and other hilarious stories from my childhood. Every week on Tuesdays from this point forward, I'll tell you a true story of my own. Some weeks I'll share stories from others, and sometimes you'll hear a true story told by the guest it belongs to. In fact, I have guests lined up for the next couple of weeks, so make sure you subscribe to be alerted when their stories hit these airwaves. Just to reiterate, episodes will now be released on Tuesdays at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you have a story you'd like me to tell or would like to be a guest on the show, please head to my website at chrissyhogbartles.com and submit a proposal. Plato wrote, those who tell stories rule society. We tell our stories to heal, help, grow, learn, inspire, and motivate. My hope is that you get exactly what you need at exactly the right moment you need it from these stories. Stick around after the story is told for the personal, professional, and spiritual exercise of the week. Hi, I'm Chrissy Bartles, and welcome to the Stop Dreaming, Get It Done podcast, where we tell true stories and find the joy in deep sadness together so that we can release past experience, ditch negativity, and experience personal, professional, and spiritual growth in the process. The following is part two of a true story from my childhood told from my point of view. Last week's episode ended with me calling 911 and my father taking the phone and reiterating our address, 511 East 12th Street between Avenues A and B, apartment 5B, the address I learned the night my father was stabbed. The ambulance arrived, surprisingly fast, actually, for 4.30 a.m. in New York City. We all walked down five floors, out through the courtyard, into the hallway to await the ambulance. It was foolish, but my father didn't wait around for help. He grabbed life by the horns. (laughs) As he was transported via stretcher to the ambulance, he pointed at an open umbrella on the ground. It was drizzling enough that the assailant had an umbrella He dropped it, you see, because my father turned around to fight the guy off. It wasn't until the man raised the knife and tried to strike again where my father caught the knife in his wrist as he shielded himself from the stabbing that my father realized the guy had a knife. The guy didn't even try to get my father's wallet. He was intent on just killing him. We think it was a hit. But that is a story for another episode. As they carried him away, we all went back down the hallway, through the courtyard, up the five flights to apartment 5B. I proceeded to call everyone from the landline phone in Daddy's Little Black Book. Uncle David Teschendorf, not our uncle by blood, we called him Grunkle D. Um, Well, he, he lived just a few blocks away, so... He was on my list and I called him. He picked us up, all three of us, girlfriend included, Jenny, me, three. Uh, Grunkle D is an actor and a photographer. And so to get our minds off of the events of the early morning, the three of us played roles in costumes and had photo sessions. We had headshots for our own future careers in the theater arts. Like I said, he wanted to take our minds off of the events, and he succeeded. We went the next day, or was it two days? I don't know. Later, with former, uh, with my father's former fiancé at this point, to visit him in the ICU. 
Now, here's where it gets funny. My father was a smoker, filterless camels at this time, I believe. He switched it up. The story I remember from his point of view goes something like this. He had a favorite nurse. She played no bull and pushed back with the humor he threw at her. He was a storyteller, a writer, and and here's how he described her. A big boned woman with lots of cushion and black as midnight. Beautiful, fierce, and funny. See, he had a collapsed lung from the knife wound that was a quarter of an inch from his heart. So he had a bag that was supporting the collapsed lung with oxygen. So having a cigarette was out of the question. Nevertheless, he begged his favorite nurse to let him go outside and have one drag, just one drag he begged with all the charm he could muster, which if you knew him was quite a lot. Hell no, she said. No way, ain't happening. You're a fool, you should quit. Though she was his favorite nurse, he couldn't wait for her to leave because he had a plan. Finally, she went. He got up in his hospital gown, (laughs) hindside exposed, grabbed a cigarette from some pocket and wheeled his IV and proxy lung bag outside. And I think he took more than one drag. His favorite nurse came back just as he had laid back down in his hospital bed. Uh Uh-oh, he thought she was gone. He hoped she didn't smell the cigarettes on him. She sized him up and said, you went out and had a cigarette. No, he lied. Oh, you can't get away with it, she said. Your bag is full of smoke. (laughs) Now, I don't know if that's a true story. My comedian father was very likely trying to lighten up the terror my sister and I were experiencing, truth be told. Um, I haven't even Googled the possibility of that happening, and I never will. So don't go ruining it for me, please. That was a traumatic event. It's also an awesome story. What's important, uh, what's important here is that it used to be a story that informed my life. I was full of fear because of the trauma that had caused me, and that had caused me to miss out on the joy of life. You must have a story you'd like to share. We all do. Stories like this, one that rocked the world as you understood it. The question is, how did hanging on to that story serve me? For me, I realized that it wasn't serving me, except it did open up my attention, a super hyper attention to my surroundings um, so that I could be ready to fight if that became necessary. As unfortunate as that is in our society, it is a benefit, and that did come out of the traumatic experience. And how can you use that story, the one that rocked your world, to find the joy, laughter, and motivation to move forward and achieve the dreams you've kept yourself from pursuing? Ask yourself, how is that story serving me? Hanging on to the trauma, the fear, how is that serving me? Hanging on to past experiences with fear, anger, sorrow, it causes you to miss the things surrounding you in the now. When you miss the things that are surrounding you now, in your future, you will spend your now focused on the things of your past, the current now, regretting missing it. Stop it. 
I can't tell you how much of my children's baby years I missed living in my mind's past. A lot. But those days are over. Now I focus on their teens and joy is mine. And I'm giving you the tools I learned the long and hard way. I hope they expedite your joy. So building on the exercise from last week, continue to catch your uninvited thoughts and find a space to sing the ants go marching. And now add, when something outside of you happens that causes you anger, hurt, fear, whatever negative emotion, take a moment and focus. Focus on the things that you can see around you. And as your vision lands upon inanimate objects, such as a car, a store, a chair, say, for example, say this, that chair doesn't mean anything. That store doesn't mean anything, etc. Do this until the thing that caused you to shift from joy or even just a neutral mood is forgotten. All right. Tune in next week for special guest Joe Tassoni for his story about, well, <laughs> we'll see what event in his life caused a transformation in next week's episode. No spoilers. Follow, subscribe, share, leave me a voicemail. Head on over to ChrissyHogueBartles.com and let me know if you want to tell your story. I would love to have you. Until next time, brace yourself. The ants go marching two by two, hurrah, hurrah. The ants go marching two by two, hurrah, hurrah. The ants go marching two by two and the little one stops to tie his shoe. And they all go marching down to the ground to get out of the rain. Boom, boom, boom.